0: Put yourself in Tristan Jari's skates if you can. If you can. Put yourself into the spot where he gives up a lousy goal to the Islanders. And he's looking over at his bench. And then he realizes he's not supposed to look over at the bench. But he looks over again. And it hits him. It's just me here. It's just me Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. No, I do not obsess over the Penguins' goaltending. Not even in the context of that hideous performance. In the playoff loss to the Islanders. But I'm not going to lie to you here. I took a ride to visit a friend out in Murraysville yesterday. And got stuck in some traffic on a turnpike. And I did start thinking about it. I have no idea how. Come on. You wouldn't know either. Like, how would your mind just all of a sudden turn to Pittsburgh's playoff goaltending? But it did. And I don't know why this occurred to me for maybe the first time. But I started doing exactly what I just described there. I started thinking about Jari's career trajectory and how he's always had someone else. He was around when Marc-Andre Fleury was here. He was around when Matt Murray was here. Sometimes starting, usually the backup, And of course, all through the last regular season, earlier this year, he and Casey DeSmith were a tandem. And I think that's a fair description for those guys. The workload wasn't evenly split, but it was somewhat split. DeSmith getting 18 decisions out of the 56 games. And at one point, DeSmith really going on a bit of a run of his own later in the year. So I was trying to put into my, my own head here what must have been going through Jari's mind when he would hugely struggle in one of these games against the Islanders. And he had to know, just as you knew, and I knew, and everyone in whichever arena the game was happening in knew, that if Mike Sullivan had anyone other than Maxime Lagasse sitting on a folding chair at the end of the bench, that he'd have been out of there. And he'd have been out of there at a point in the game where the change could have made a difference. But it never happened. It never happened. You can debate that up, down, and sideways forever and ever, if you want. My own thought at the time was, yes, absolutely bring in Lagasse, especially with a couple of those games up on Long Island, if only to keep Jari from getting scorched worse than he already was. But it didn't happen, and once it didn't happen, you knew it wasn't going to happen. So you have this goaltender who's never been really left alone at the NHL level, completely isolated. Completely isolated. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose how you'd prefer to take these in, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, or maybe a flexible hybrid format. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I'm not making an excuse. When you're an NHL goaltender, Never mind a starting goaltender, never mind one who the previous season finished in the top 10 in every significant goaltending category, not least of which was save percentage, the ultimate stat as far as I'm concerned. When you've achieved that, and then you enter the following season as the main guy, as the unquestioned main guy. You've got to be made of tougher stuff. But I can't help but continuously trying to delve into whatever it is that both Sullivan and Ron Hextall clearly see. They clearly see that there is a way out of this just by sticking with Jari and De Smith, And it's telling, more than telling, I'd say, that both of these gentlemen will refer repeatedly to both goaltenders when they talk about the team's status at that position. It's never just Tristan. It's never just Casey. It's Tristan and Casey. It's Jari and DeSmith. And I believe that that's because they see them as a tandem Both are signed to NHL contracts for the coming year, including to Smith, who's actually entering the third year of his. That might surprise some people, but that's a term that Jim Rutherford gave him a couple of years ago after a game in Phoenix. And that's the level of faith that they had in him then and apparently continue to have now. And we're just not going to know. We're just not going to know. The question that I'm posing today has quite literally no answer. No answer. Jari might be the least talkative individual on earth. So even if you were to sit down and ask him and you were like his best buddy, you know, you're not going to get something real out of him. You're not going to get him saying, "You know what? Yeah, I was I was a little nervous to be out there by myself, you know?" But the penguins believe in his talent level, they believe in his athleticism, and they believe in his cool and calm. It's the rest of it that has to get put together, and by that I'm referring to his it's not even poise. I was about to say poise. It's not poise, it's focus. It's his intensity level. It's ratcheting it up. It's finding a way to really, really get into the game. Maybe some of that rubs off on him when DeSmith is around. But guess what? DeSmith wasn't around in those playoffs. And we knew in advance that he wouldn't be. Any of us who were at that practice in the week leading up to the playoffs, and I was there at PPG Paints Arena when DeSmith went down in the crease, and you could see how he went down. Knew that he had ripped up his groin something fierce, and that's actually what it turned out to be. There was no chance that he was coming back. So Jari entered that postseason knowing it was just him, because it was way, way, way too late to go out and get somebody else. There was just him and Maxime Lagasse, and it might as well have been Welcome back. It's time for just one question. That's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over two hundred bucks. Fubo TV is sixty five bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT and T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And for a limited time, the people at Fubo TV are offering our listeners of this show a seven day free trial, and this is the good part: fifteen percent off your first month. All you got to do to get this deal is visit fuboTV.com. Slash DK. Question today comes from Nathan Lewandowski and Nathan asks Who was the most significant non-star in the Sidney Crosby era? Well now I feel like I should pause and give everyone a chance at this. Either that or I'm stalling for an answer myself. Mostly because I don't know where you draw the line between who's a star and who isn't. I'm going to tell you that my reflexive response to this is Chris Kunitz. And I say that with immense respect to whether or not he'd be considered a star in the league, mostly based on how I saw Canadian journalists treat him and his selection to Team Canada for the Sochi Olympics. I was over there covering those... And without betraying any trust or whatever, whenever they were waiting these reporters for Kunitz to make his way down what's called a rope line from you know the nbc and and Canadian network cameras, and then they make it down to the writing reporters, which is where I was, you could hear all of the disdain that they had for this pick. Like, why is he here? He's Crosby's caddy and everything else. And some of that made it into print, and some of that was actually spoken by these guys. And then, of course, Kunitz scores in the gold medal game against Sweden on a gorgeous wrist shot that beat Henrik Lundqvist. And he ended up playing just a terrific two-way tournament. He really did. So I'm... I'm cringing a little bit at putting Kunitz in the non-star category, but I feel like most people would, Nathan. So I'm going to do that because when you were talking about the core, that's capital C core for the Penguins, for the longest time, it wasn't just the three guys. You were talking about the three guys and Marc-Andre Fleury, and Chris Kunitz, and to an extent, Pascal Dupuis. So you had a, a bunch of guys, and, and Duper, by the way, would at least enter this conversation in some form or other, as some kind of honorable mention. But Kunitz is the guy who became, and I'm underscoring this, Sid's winger. I remember how all we ever did forever and ever and ever was bemoan this and that about who's going to play wing with Sid we thought the answer was in place with Marion Hosa. Hosa obviously had other ideas. And it ended up being Kunitz. Sid's ability to play with Kunitz, Kunitz's ability to read off of him, Kunitz's ability to make sure that the other end of the ice was taken care of. All of this was through the roof at the peak of his career in Pittsburgh. If you've never seen the advanced analytics on Kunitz, there were a couple seasons in there where the stars were big stars, but Kunitz ended up with the superior advanced analytics in some categories. That's how good, how efficient, how smart he was on the rink. I'm going to go with Chris Kunitz for my answer. If anybody has anything different, feel free to shoot a note. I'm, I'm all ears, including you, Nathan. You didn't say who yours was. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. This is a fun show to do. It's even more fun when there's actual hockey developments occurring. So feel free to keep sending stuff this way, including suggestions and and everything. It doesn't have to be limited to just one cue. Well, let's do this again Monday.